we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm Willow Truman. Willow, question for you. Okay. You ever smoke banana peels as a kid? <laughs> no. Ah! No. Smoking that banana dean, girl. Yeah. Banana dean. I smoked a pretzel once. Fuck the fuck? <laughs> it was a pretzel rod. Shit. Yeah. I've never heard of that one. Well. You, have you ever heard of banana peels? I have, yeah. Banana dean. But I've never heard that. That's the, the chemical that's supposedly in the banana peels. Banana dean. Get y'all fired up. Banana dean. Okay. Yeah? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I, I've restrained myself. Now, where do you think the banana peel thing came from? Prison? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, it's not real. Like, oh. it's totally... It's a you myth. Know, if you, get, you can get all crazy on banana, smoking banana peels, but like you got to be you know, 15 years old and placeboed out of your goddamn mind. Yeah. Right? I think it's one of these like organic emergent pieces of like stupid modern folklore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I think maybe the first place it was published was the Anarchist Cookbook. Um, I don't think that's where it originated. And for the members of our audience who are, who happen to be Zoomers, uh, the Anarchist Cookbook was a thing that existed back when the world was free, and it taught you how to make a whole bunch of extremely dangerous nonsense. Hey, give, give them a little more credit. I'm sure they know. I mean, dude, I'm sure some of them. I don't know, dude. Nowadays, the only Anarchist Cookbooks are full of like fuga zucchini bread, uh, vegan against meatloaf, and uh, garlic smashed patriarchy. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> you're real proud of that one, I bet. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, back in my day, back in my day, anarchist cookbook, get your pipe bombs and banana dean. Yeah. <laughs> now, why am I talking about banana dean? Why could I possibly be talking about banana dean? Is it because I used to get into trouble? I used to have fun and now I don't and I miss it very much. Yes. Did you ever smoke a, a banana bit. peel? No, I, the one that got me was peanut skins. Ah. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, don't fuck, don't say a word. Uh, that was a long time. I ago. tried out the nutmeg thing, but that one works. That one actually works and it'll kill your liver. Don't yeah. Do yeah, just don't. Yeah. That was like, and it's scary and it's not fun. It like really damages your liver. Don't do it. <laughs> but it's not any of that. It's mainly because I've been thinking a lot about modern folklore. Like, where does it come from? How does it take on a life of its own and perpetuate itself against all odds? I mean, I, I know how banana dean sustains itself. Like, tricking teenagers into smoking banana peels is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. But that's enough about the banana peels. Oh, I was kind of hoping that. Wait. I've got some. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. All right. Now that we've smoked a whole basket of banana peels, it's ready to go. Holy fuck. (laughs) And what if I told you, Willow, in your banana deemed out state, (sighs) right now, I can't move. At this very moment, there is an object in space, an artificial satellite in polar orbit around the Earth. That's from the top down, then around the bottom, back up to the top again, instead of like around the middle. Uh. Yeah, polar orbit. Banana Dean only lasts for like 15 seconds. 
I know you're just faking it at this point. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Can I pretend a little longer though? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm gonna pause recording though. It's distracting me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm back. All right. It's an artificial satellite in polar orbit around the Earth. That's from the top, then down around the bottom, back up again, as opposed to like an, an ecliptical orbit. I can't imagine that at all. All right, think of the poles on the Earth. Okay. Like, think of the little flag that says north up top, and then a little flag that says south down bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes like from the North Pole, then down to the South Pole, then back up to the North Pole like that. So from the top of the globe to the bottom of the globe. Yeah, exactly, as opposed to an ecliptical Orbit, let's like, so which is like side to side or an equatorial, yeah, around, around the middle, like a hula hoop. Okay, you know, all right, yeah. Uh, and it's this satellite, this artificial satellite, has been broadcasting signals that have been intercepted by many people, including Nikola fucking Tesla. And it's a satellite of completely unknown origin that has been watching our planet for 13,000 years. And there's even a god danged NASA photograph of it, and it's known as the Black Knight. I loved that movie. <laughs> I almost pulled the soundtrack from that movie. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that idea? That there's this artificial satellite of alien origin that we have a photograph of. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, of course not. It's not it's not real. Yeah. Like at all. And what's okay, more totally fake. And what's more, that fake story isn't even real. Like it doesn't come from anywhere. There's no one source, but that exact story oh, is like a legend. it's just like Banana Dean. It's just like Banana Dean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even close to a thing. But that is a story that has gotten woven into modern folklore, right? The folklore. Um, the folklore. There's no one dude you can point to and say, oh, that dude started this in some dumb book, right? But I'd go so far as to say it's a staple of modern UFO conspiracy lore. The dumb kind, the shit that's in the tabloids, like the Daily Star and stuff like that. Here, I'm just going to read a couple lines from uh, ancientcode.com slash 20 facts Black Knight Satellite. Oh. So this is from ancientcode.com. Just so you can see like what the myth is. Mm-hmm. Right? These are facts. <laughs> These are factual facts. According to ancientcode.com, they are facts. According to monitoring agencies around the world, the Black Knight satellite has been transmitting radio signals for over 50 years now. The U.S. and Soviet Union have shown particular interest in the unidentified space object. Rumors are that it was Nikola Tesla, the first man to intercept a signal from the Black Knight satellite in 1899 after building a high-voltage radio device in Colorado. In 1957, an unknown, quote, object was seen, quote, shadowing the Sputnik 1 spacecraft. According to reports, the, quote, unidentified object was in polar orbit. In 1957, the United States and the Russians possessed the technology to maintain a spacecraft in polar orbit. It goes on. It goes on. It goes on. There's, a, there's 20 of them. 20 facts. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Okay. So the date of origin or the claimed date of origin for this object is... 13,000 years ago. Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we'll get to why that is. All right. All right. And I know, I know some of our listeners see that we're doing the Black Knight satellite and they shake their head disappointed in us, ashamed of, ashamed for us that we'd be scraping the bottom of the barrel like this so early in our illustrious career. Don't be ashamed for me, baby. Oh, ye of little faith. 
This is the nonsense, Pissar. We're not going to just rehash the same old tired malarkey you've heard a thousand times. There is, in fact, something pretty strange hidden in this story. Okay, buried underneath the layers and layers of bullshit. So before we dive in and try to untangle this weird web, let's do our tarot pull. Have you seen the picture of the Black Knight? Look it up. Just so you can get, because it's like, you can kind of see. It's a good picture. Mm-hmm. I was just about to type in potato. Okay. It looks like a fingerless glove. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my immediate reaction. Okay. And just it, wait till you find out what it really is. Okay. It's it's funny. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> so. Now. Terrible. The Two of Wands. Mm-hmm. Dominion. Mars and Aries. Not sure what to make that yet. Okay. Well. I have ideas. I, all right. Okay, cool. We'll get back to you later. Mm-hmm. story begins 1899 with the scientist most probably most often invoked to justify lazy thinking and conspiracy theories a lot nikola tesla yep yeah (laughs) pigeon fucker did you read my script no i have a lot of jokes about pigeon fucking in here oh wow (laughs) (laughs) we're just in so in tune like that it's a pigeon fucker yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and here's the thing about invoking nikola tesla Dude was out of his mind. Uh-huh. Like completely. His best friend was a pigeon. That's true. Like that that's true. He My was best friend's a cat. He was heartbroken when that pigeon died. He was inconsolable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a cat's different than a pigeon. Mm. One's a mammal, one's a bird. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's they're different. <laughs> Still form a bond with your pet. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Yeah. Well with your beloved animal companion that you fuck. I think he fucked. I don't fuck my cat. It, we'll get we'll get back to that okay. part. Yeah. <laughs> so while experimenting with his big weird radio tower tower in Colorado, this is back like in the early days of radio too. You know, you had to have a big weird tower to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Tesla, you know, he's all alone out in the plains of Colorado, the Highlands. This huge weird tower, and he starts picking up a strange pattern of high frequency radio signals. Tesla was familiar with the patterns produced by solar events like auroras and stuff like that. And this wasn't that. It was something. Mystery signal. Yeah. And this was something he had never seen before. And And is this true or is this the legend? This is true. Okay. This is absolutely true. I mean, pretty much everything I'm going to say from here on out is all true. Oh. Yeah. You know, and this is like, it's like high frequency shit. And he's just looking at the machines recording it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh. He'd never seen a pattern like this. It was 
a clear pattern. He wrote later that although he was sure it wasn't supernatural, picking up this pattern on his receiver all alone at night in his research station spooked the living daylights out of him. Mm. Like he, he, he scared him. And as the pattern kept repeating, Tesla was eventually struck by the thought, what if there's an intelligence behind this signal? You uh-huh. Know? Uh, even at this point, like maybe it's a person somewhere. See, right? you know what I would think? Mm. I would be like, what if my thoughts are controlling it? I don't know. That would be exactly what I would think. I might go there too. Yeah. yeah. He wrote to a friend, quote, we're getting messages from the clouds a hundred miles away, possibly many times that distance. Do not leak it to the reporters. Mm. Yeah. Keep that shit on lockdown. Yeah. Cause like that's some crazy shit. Like he doesn't know some other country, some, and this is like 1899. That's true. This yeah. is a long time ago. Yeah, this is this when is old school. Yeah, I mean, this is when like rockets weren't even a dream in Robert Goddard's eyes yet. Yep. Right. Like he was still <laughs> confined to like fucking H.G. Wells. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Tesla kept looking at these signals and trying to analyze them, figure out like, okay, if there is an intelligence, which is assumption number one. <laughs> there if isn't there an, is. if there is, there's got like it's got to be a message of some some kind, and he concluded that there was information hidden in the radio signals uh it was a repeated count one two three four one two three four mm-hmm. is what he came up with right and this started sending him a little well nuts yeah and like so did he hear someone saying one two three four, or did he just pick up like a? That's what he translated the signals to. That's what he unpuzzled, untangled whatever information was hidden in there to be. I'm interested about that process, I, but I won't dig in further. I am too, and I do have. We'll get to where I'm getting a lot of this from in a second. It's very, not ancient codes. I hope no, uh, <laughs> the Tesla Society. Yeah. And these are nerds and they talk in their weird nerd language with their weird equations that yep. I can't understand. So like they might've answered that question, but I might just be too dumb to see where it was. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, how would I explain? I don't know. I don't, they might not actually answer that question because mm-hmm. that might just be Tesla going crazy because you can find patterns. That's what we do. Yeah. Right. Like you can find noise. Like you can look through noise. Optimal frequency. Like, yeah. 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 Exactly. And like, this wasn't a, just a one-off thing. This was happening every night over multiple nights. Mm. So every and night- Was anyone else getting the signal too? Like, did he test no. this out with other people? This is Nikola Tesla. This wow. motherfucker only wrote down half his notes out of paranoia. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Tesla wasn't sharing, sharing this with anybody. Oh, Not damn. right then. Yeah. I would have, you know, tried to confirm with someone else. Like, hey, are you getting this too? Dude, that's or- kind of the thing about Tesla. He didn't really work like that. Mm. He was genius enough that it, you know, he he got away with it. Yeah. Most, you know, he did build weird shit, but yeah, he wasn't necessarily a model scientist. He was uh-huh. just kind of a super genius, you know. But like every night at a certain time, he's getting this same fucking pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, it might have just been clicks of like, oh, one click, <clears throat> two clicks, three clicks. Like, I'm not exactly sure. But now, eventually, he wrote that. And quote, the feeling is constantly growing on me that I have been the first to hear the greeting of one planet to another is the conclusion he came up with. Oh, yeah. And there's a special. Yeah, it's very special. He writes about how special he felt 
And then, so there's these a series of quotes in this um, paper from the Tesla Society, which like <sighs> critics of Tesla bring up this incident all the time. It's like, look at this crazy bullshit, mm-hmm. right? Look at this crazy fucking bullshit this dude was up to. It's ridiculous. There's no basis whatsoever. The Tesla Society in 1996 decided to do like, okay, we know it wasn't Martians, but what, what, did he actually hear something? And they came up with a really solid answer. But they also compiled a bunch of different quotes from him around this. So, movements on the instrument repeated many times concludes it to be a message from another planet. I did not state that I had obtained a message from Mars. I only expressed my conviction that the disturbances I obtained were of planetary origin. And then, like, a few years later, he says, I refer to the strange electrical disturbances, the discovery of which I announced six years ago. At that time, I was only certain that they were of planetary origin. Now, after mature thought and study, I've come to the positive conclusion that they must emanate from Mars. Okay. And Mars he, specifically? Mars specifically. And he fucking, Talking to the Martians? He fucking doubles down on this, too. Yeah. He... 1909, he says, to be sure, we have no absolute proof that Mars is inhabited. Personally, I based my faith on the feeble planetary electrical disturbances, which I discovered in the summer of 1899, and which, according to my investigations, could not have originated from the Sun, the Moon, or Venus. Further study has since satisfied me that they must have emanated from Mars. And he keeps doubling down on this, like, for the rest of his life. He goes to such lengths as to say, in 1922, uh, 22 years ago, while experimenting in Colorado with a wireless power plant... I obtained extraordinary experimental evidence of the existence of life on Mars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just really attracted to that idea. Yeah. And why not? You know, let them have it. You know, fine. Fine, Tesla. Do you have a better explanation? I don't. Well, there is a better explanation. It's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. And like, you know. I'm again, down for this. Like, I I don't know if this, these calculations are right. I don't know how to do the math. I don't know the equations and the... Algorithm. I don't know how to I do don't math. Fucking know. So the Tesla Society, like, they know more than me. I'll take their word for it. Fuck it. I don't know if I could do long division anymore. <laughs> no. I don't I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think these guys, like, when you get into, like, higher math, you don't do long division anymore. No, you certainly just... <laughs> not. But I can't even do lower math. Mm. Yeah, I mean, either. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I have other talents. Moving on. Yeah. But this, so this comes from the Tesla Society. Basically, in the 1950s, we discovered a type of electromagnetic radiation coming from the storms on Jupiter and Saturn during like weather events on those planets. Mm-hmm. You know, they have storms, the Great Red Spot on Jupiter, the hexagon on fucking Saturn. Um, but there's a particular interaction between Jupiter and its volcanic moon Io that causes storms which would generate the same signals. Right. Uh, so, so like the sound of the storm, it's just electromagnetic radiation from okay. like when storms on these planets happen, you know, it's a bunch of like the gas giant. That's the super dense gas, right. Of all sorts of crazy. Yeah. That, that makes a shitload of sense. Yeah. And Io is a volcano planet. And just like our earth's molten core, like it's metal and shit. Like it has electromagnetic fields and shit. Right. Now the signals it would generate are at the same frequency range. And what's more, these Storms would have happened in the summer of 1899 when Tesla said that he uh, observed these. So it's totally possible that he observed these, right? Check this out. Through an extraordinary coincidence, in July of 1899, from where Tesla's maniac radio shack was in Colorado, mm-hmm. um, Mars's visibility in the sky, <clears throat> the planet Mars's visibility in the sky would have coincided 
with the Jupiter and Io weather interactions, uh, even down to when it set below the Rocky Mountains. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So his conclusions then do make a lot of sense. It it does. Like it, the Tesla Society gives the time of Mars setting behind the Rocky Mountains at 9.44 p.m., like just in time for the, you know, that's like time for a Tesla man to be going to bed. You know, scientists got got big smart guy stuff to do in the morning. Like he's observing this shit for a couple hours every night. It's like Mars is fucking right there. And it would have been like right out his window, like super bright. So that's that's pretty brilliant then. It's kind of stupid. Yeah. But in that way that like, you know, Agrippa's three books of occult philosophy is in like it's logical. Mm-hmm. It's so logical that it's, it's stupid. so stupid. It makes sense. It makes so much it makes so much sense that it's stupid. Yeah. Because like you can I could I would fall for it, too. Every time I'm seeing Mars, I'm hearing these signals. Mars is our brother planet. Right. And uh-huh. like the time period, like, yeah, the new world's coming, right? But we don't have space travel yet, but we can imagine it, you know, we can imagine it. So yeah, it totally makes sense. And like, we've talked a, quite a lot about the government fucking with people and driving them nuts. This is the planets of the solar system fucking with Nikola Tesla and driving him nuts. He's over there with his pigeon like, see, see, Phyllis, Mars disappears, signal stop. Can't explain that. It's clear as can be. <laughs> Yeah, it, the it Martians seem, are talking to me. It would seem quite cut and dry <laughs> in, in those circumstances. Yeah. Phyllis wasn't his pigeon's name, by the way. What you was know, it? We don't know the pigeons. Mm. And that pigeon he fell in love with much later in the 1920s. Yeah, he fell in love with a pigeon. He said, this is a direct quote from Tesla, dear listener. I loved that pigeon as a man loves a woman, and she loved me. As long as I had her, there was purpose to my life. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure Nikola Tesla fucked a pigeon. (laughs) He loved that pigeon. Loved her as a man loves a woman. When a man loves a pigeon. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he knew how sex worked, to be perfectly honest. Like, he didn't know that men and women had sex. Had sex? No. No. Unless it was with the pigeon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Weird dude. Weird dude indeed. Yeah, what a great story. Yeah. I had no idea about any of this. And yeah, that yeah. was very interesting. So in 1927, all right? Yeah. Now we're going to leave Tesla behind. In 1927, a Norwegian civil engineer and amateur radio operator named Jorgen Halls picked up. Yeah, what do you got? You got something to say about Jorgen Halls? <laughs> I just like it. Uh, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jorgen. Jorgen. Jorgen is a it's good actually name. Probably Jorgen. 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 Oh, we got some, we got some Norwegian listeners. We don't anymore after we butcher that pronunciation. Yeah, what's up, Norway listeners? What up? We have we more. See you. We have more Swedish listeners than Norway listeners. Well, we we see both of them. Sweden. It's our best European country. Toy, what's up, Sweden? Yeah, what's up, Sweden? <laughs> what's up, Jorgens? They're not, no, don't, no, no, they're very different people. Sweden and Norway is very, very, very different. Are we got any Jorgens out there? They don't like each other. We got any listeners named Jorgen? I hope so. Get at us, Jorgen. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, this Jorgen, old Jorgen, old Jorgen. Eve Jorgen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Listen to Alien Love Bites. (laughs) Jorgen picked up some of his own anonymous anomalous radio signals, different ones. 
totally different anomalous radio signals. Yeah, in 1927. So yes, we're 30 years in the future. Yes. While he was sending shortwave communications back and forth with another amateur radio operator in Eindhoven, the Netherlands, and Jorgen noticed that he heard more echoes uh, from his broadcast messages than he should have. It's a bit spooky. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, he wrote to Norwegian physicist Carl Stormer. Another good Yeah, yeah. Jorgen wrote, at the end of the summer of 1927, I repeatedly heard signals from the Dutch shortwave transmitting station PCJJ at Eindhoven. At the same time as I heard these signals, I also heard echoes. I heard the usual echo, which goes round the earth with an interval of about one-seventh of a second, as well as a weaker echo about three seconds after the principal echo had gone. So okay. the normal echo, whenever you do a radio thing, like you get an echo about a seventh of a second later because it bounces around the earth and comes back. It's supposed to be it. Three seconds after that initial echo, he gets the echo again. Fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, continues on. When the principal signal was especially strong, I suppose the amplitude for the last echo three seconds later lay between one-tenth and one-twentieth of the principal signal in strength. From where this echo comes from, I cannot say for the present. I can only confirm that I really heard it. Okay, so it echoes... Then pauses. Yeah, and then... And then does it again more quietly. Yeah. The pause is the most, like, that's And, and three weird. seconds, like, a count of three seconds, like... Like, yeah. that's, that's time. Right. Know? And, like, a, something traveling near the speed of light, right? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't... Like, sound shouldn't travel like that, where it, like, hits a, a passageway, goes quiet, and well, then... important to remember, we're not dealing with sound. Yeah. Dealing with electromagnetic, we're dealing with radio. Oh, that's true. That's true. So, you know, it does bounce around the earth. And, and so as of now, we know that this three second echo is a real phenomenon that occurs sometimes. Yes. And these are signals. I have to, I'm thinking of them as signals. Yeah. Radio waves bouncing, you mm-hmm. know. And like a lot of other anomalous phenomena, it doesn't seem to occur frequently enough to really study it in a meaningful way, but it does happen. Uh, the prevailing hypothesis is that radio signals get caught between two layers in the ionosphere and bounce around in there, traveling all over the Earth until they reach a window and bounce back out. Or clouds, maybe. We don't really know. But it happens sometimes. Yeah. And this makes these long-delayed echoes, or LDEs as they're called, like perfect fodder for wild speculation. And who better and who better to do some speculating than a Scottish science fiction writer in 1973? Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Duncan Lunan. know why i wanted to give him applause like that yeah well i kind of well okay so science fiction writer as it's usually used in connection with duncan lunan is most certainly a pejorative everyone says like oh a science fiction writer picked it up in 1973 and like yeah the 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 same people write like writing about the black knight satellite they say like and then a science fiction writer an amateur astronomer in the 70s said these signals were aliens Ah, but after a real scientist told him how stupid it was he has since distanced distanced himself from the black knight satellite i'm paraphrasing there but that's absolutely the tone and absolutely unfair to duncan lunan um he's not a ufo guy he's a writer and a science journalist and yeah an amateur astronomer but like he never said anything about the black knight Mm-hmm. He did write an article for Spaceflight Magazine in 1973. About the long-delayed echoes? Yes. He claimed that Jorgen Hall's echoes came from a satellite that was using 
the echoes to send us a star map. It's not a UFO guy, but he's an ancient alien guy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just to say that again, he wrote an article and claimed that these LDEs were transmitted from an artificial satellite that was using the echoes to transmit a star map to us. Star map. Yeah. What's the map for? Buried treasure? Us, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Or like saying where they are in the... Oh, like to yeah. go find them? It's a message. Yeah. Like, hi, we're from here. So he didn't come up... Duncan Winnan didn't come up with that idea. He just wrote about it. And we do love to shoot the messenger, don't we? Um, but here's Lunin in 1998 writing about the whole affair. He wrote, Professor Ron Bracewell of Stanford suggested in 1960 that the echoes might have been rebroadcast by an unmanned probe from another civilization, trying to attract our attention. And in 1972, I worked out a translation of the 1920s echo patterns. The variations of delay times appeared random, but Professor Bracewell himself had suggested the first signal from such a probe might be a star map, and the stars are spaced at random in the sky. I tried plotting the delay times against the order in which the echoes were received, and at only the second attempt I found what looked like a star map, in which it appeared that the probe had come from the double star Epsilon Buddhist and the constellation Buddhist, the herdsman. Arcturus, the brightest star in the constellation, seemed to be out of place in the map, but on checking, was shown to be where it was 13,000 years ago. So, he gets these long-delayed echoes. Yeah. He takes the data plots it against the sky and he finds that okay it's right how does he plot it against the sky he's got a he's got a figures and stuff yeah i'm gonna take his word for it Can you right. do shit? like yeah okay. I, we just have to i'm just again i'm curious about the process he he wrote a whole article I yeah i need like a visual component to understand like i need to see side by side like and i plotted it out and well, here's how it corresponds you know yeah. Like, I yeah, just yeah, want to yeah. see visual stuff. It's a, we do a podcast. I know, but, like, does that exist? I think so, though, although the um, actual pictures of the figures, his website seems old. And, yeah. like, the pictures weren't there or weren't loading or something. Right. But, I mean, I can I can understand it. Like, you've got numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got individual numbers, like, based on the delay times. You know, you say here, here. And then you can work out the relationship between those numbers or, like, see if the, like something else has... Between them. I, I mean, these guys are doing it for, yeah, the distance, the X, Y, Z coordinates or whatever. Sure. Like, yeah. Sure. I mean, like, what else can you say? Yeah. Like, We're that's what I can say, Looking for too. patterns. That's all you can do. Right. When you don't know what's going on. So beyond just plotting this map and find that these numbers do have this relationship with constellations, Lunin also translated the message he said this is his translation our home is epsilon buddhist which is a double star we live on the sixth planet of seven check that the sixth of seven counting outwards from the sun which is the larger of the two stars our sixth planet has one moon our fourth planet has three our first and third planet each have one our probe is in the orbit of your moon so the epsilon buddhist the epsilon buddhist translation wasn't the only one there were other possible star maps that it might be but the epsilon buddhist was the best things fit like as and as they uh the data they had on like that system seemed to show that it would be the right type of system to have those type of planets on it mm-hmm. a double star system right that matches up at the number now he writes this article in spaceflight magazine but then shortly afterwards it was discovered that some of the data they had used wasn't accurate 
the Epsilon A Buddhist, allegedly the alien sun was too large, too radioactive, too short-lived for life to evolve there to sustain life now. At the same time, new, more accurate radio data from the 1920s emerged, and most of the star map translations had to just be ruled out. They didn't match anymore when they got the accurate data. Yeah. In light of this new data, Lunin retracted his paper. Because that's what you do. Like, he, you know, he's not really an ancient aliens guy. Like, he does, but he's... Yeah. He's honest. He went... Just speculating. Yeah, and he went, shit, the data doesn't match up anymore. I Mm -hmm. retract all this. But... Alien probe paper retracted isn't as juicy a headline as alien probe sending star maps to Earth. That's very correct. Right. So the retraction gets ignored by the believers. And this is where the 13,000-year-old part of the legend comes from, right? Uh. Yes. Lunin, for his part, has always distanced himself from the Black Knight satellite. He, it was right. never he a part of it. He just said satellite. He never said Black Knight satellite. Didn't mention nothing about it. He didn't even know if it was a satellite. He didn't know what the hell it was. Yeah. He was just looking at the long-delayed echoes. And he had never even heard of the Black Knight theory until much, much later. We're going to catch up with Lunin further on down the trail. Okay. Yeah. The next piece Bye, of the Lunin. Bye, See Duncan. you later. Hope you're having fun hanging out with uh, Tesla and Jorgen. Yeah. Yeah. They're all... They're... Yeah, they're just chilling. Oh, my God. Dudes like that? Not all of them are dead. Duncan's not. Duncan Lunin isn't. The rest of Tesla and Jordan yeah. know they're fucking dead. Right. Yeah. Somehow they're hanging out, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Scientists have In the mind amongst palace. the stars. Yeah. Yes. But we're going to just like leave them hanging out for now. Yeah. So the next piece of the puzzle comes from the early 1960s. So this is a decade or so prior to Lunin's spaceflight magazine paper. Time magazine reported that a mysterious satellite was observed in polar orbit around the Earth. Remember, top to bottom. Versus on the equator, equator, equatorial, that's the one. This was curious, you know, and they, they did observe this. They absolutely, like, Time Magazine was like, hey, they found a satellite orbiting polar. We don't know what it is. Equatorial. Polar. It was, it was a polar satellite. Polar. And th- that's important. And, and that's what makes it curious. Because at this time, all of the satellites launched up there by the U.S. and the Soviet Union were in equatorial orbit around the middle like a hula hoop. Right, that like that. Every one was going around the middle, and actual scientists observed one going top to bottom. Yeah. Right. And so, like, what the fuck is this? Or a few weeks after the story broke, the United States Department of Defense tried to clear up the confusion. They issued a press release. You know, are they trying to clear up the confusion, or perhaps the DoD said, "Yeah, forget about it. It's just space junk." That was their press release. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. It's just space junk. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Got it under control. According to the feds, the observed mysterious satellite was just a piece of the satellite discoverer that had broken off and was now whipping around the earth, living its best life free and easy. People didn't buy it, though. I mean, like, why would a piece of a satellite previously in equatorial orbit break off and start orbiting the earth the opposite way? Mm-hmm. Right? It wasn't a satisfying answer. Could Nor- it be true, though? It wasn't true. Huh? As it turns out, the DOD was lying to their fucking teeth. Well, color me surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were absolutely lying about this. A mysterious satellite, not a piece of one, had indeed been observed in polar orbit around the Earth. Hmm. It was part of the U.S. Uh, U.S. military's Corona Project. Oh. Which was the first program to put spy satellites in orbit to check out what those goddamn pesky Russians were up to. Don't let the conspiracy theorists find out about this one. Oh, I'm sure they already have. <laughs> well, they certainly have. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure. Oh, God. I can't even imagine the theories <laughs> attached to this one. Yeah, so, literally the next line in my outline is, uh, so uh, 
That didn't help shit at all. No, fuck no. <laughs> and oh, God. So, and that's why I was going in polar orbit too, right? Like up the top, around the Russia. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like so much of the shady ass shit from that time period is Cold War stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, that was the espionage war for like so long, right? Yeah. It's shadowy as fuck. Uh-huh. You live in the shadows a long time and start getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. I like Tesla and that pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting in a dark hotel room. Yeah. Who knows what's going on in there? Another piece of evidence, evidence, end quote, is that astronaut Gordon Cooper claimed to have seen strange things in orbit and even heard voices when he was up in space. Hmm. Yeah. The problem is, though, he never said that. <laughs> he's, been, he's been asked about it multiple times he's like hold up i, I said what now yeah it's just like someone just fucking made it up this dude yeah. never said unfortunately he saw people can do that they can just make anything up that they want and just say up. it <laughs> just say it as if it's yeah. a fact yeah gordon said he saw aliens no i didn't yeah he's lying they got to him what the fuck man right so all of this ended up creating a legend mm-hmm the legend of the Black Knight. Yeah. You might be wondering, though, where's the name come from? Were you, were you curious about that at all? Um, like, it's an iconic name. Where does it come from? Yeah. Actually, now that you mention it, I'd love to know. I have no idea. Oh. No fucking clue. Like does anybody know? No. It, like, the only thing it it's might come from is from a British test of a rocket in the 80s called Black Knight. But, like, that was just a rocket test. Like, it wasn't already up. 1899 this is when this shit started yeah the british test a rocket called like i don't it has nothing to do with any weird radio signals or anything it's just something else going to space but it's the only other place the phrase black knight shows up in connection to space so i guess yeah Ah. okay Ah. we'll take it don't really know where that name comes from now all this is good for stone campfire tall tales and the Halcyon days before the internet turned us all into jaded, cynical pieces of shit who will fact check your ass no matter how late it is, or how many whiskey drinks everyone's had. Killjoys are all nothing but killjoys and wet blankets these days. I'm just here to have fun, man. And speaking of wet blankets, in 1998, a piece of evidence would emerge that would prove beyond a shadow of a doubt to the believers that the Black Knight satellite was real. The holy grail of UFO proof. Type mm-hmm. you can throw in your ex-wife's face and see, say, see, they called me crazy, but here it is. As she walks away to go back to her life and her kids and her husband, who's an engineer. I was you've right. Got, you've I was got right all along. Yeah, you've got something more valuable than a stable home life and a loving family. You got the fucking truth. Photographic yeah. evidence straight from the horse's mouth. NASA. <laughs> yeah. In 98, NASA published a series of now iconic photos that show a strange, dare I say, alien object floating high above the Earth. Oh. Believers have claimed that the shape of this object even matches up with a bizarre Mayan statue that some say shows a Mayan in a spaceship. Wow. <laughs> the photos were taken from the space shuttle Endeavor from the Endeavor flight STS-88. So it's this like high definition, wonderful framing. It's a great photo. And it shows this bizarre shaped metallic object that seems to glow. Is this it? The Black Knight? No. It's a, it's a fucking blanket. Oh, yeah. it's a wet blanket. It's a wet blanket. It's a, it's a thermal blanket that was being used to repair a coupling on a like spacewalk training exercise. The thing came, the gosh darn thing came loose and floated away and the crew took pictures of it. Wow. Yeah. And like, 
didn't I just say that these goddamn government scumbags just like lied about space before and that there's like a lot of shady shit or I don't know, like spy satellites? Yeah, like, yeah, they they are always lying. They're always lying for sure. But scientists are pretty absurdly serious about their own credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a few analyses of the blanket, the photograph, the timeline, and the, the blanket testi- and the testimony of the astronauts. Like, there's paid. You can hear from the people that were on that flight. Like, yeah dropped it mm-hmm. and then we took a picture of it yeah. and then they didn't analyze like yeah this is what the blanket looks like this is the pic like you know it's a shiny blanket it's a shiny white bl- wet blanket on the whole fucking thing yeah but that doesn't stop believers it's now a solid unmovable piece of ufo folklore and it probably won't go away there was documentary documentary end quote recently made which i could not find I didn't look that hard. <laughs> One <laughs> didn't of the, want to subject yourself to that. I spent like 15 minutes looking and it wasn't easy. Yeah. So, um, you know, fuck it. But one of the producers, and I suppose principal figures in the documentary, was a man by the name of Richard Doty. Oh, <laughs> of course. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. This scumbag. If y'all don't know, this Richard Doty is a fucking scumbag. He, uh,. <sighs> He's ex-intelligence. Or, yeah, he's well, trying to he's make nice now by being like, oh, but I'm, I'm revealing it all now. There's no such thing right? as ex-intelligence. I don't trust you, sir. Doesn't exist. I don't trust you anymore. You've done too much. Yeah, I mean, he drove a man insane. Yeah, Paul, poor Paul Benowitz. He drove this man insane on purpose on behalf of the government, telling him that UFOs are real and they had the documents. And mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to cover that, this motherfucker, at some point. He's a bastard and a weasel. So he... How, he's in this? He's in this. So maybe it's not such an organic piece of folklore after all. Oh. And that's not the weird thing I promised, though. Okay. Into the weird shit. Okay, the weird shit. The weird shite. I like when people say shite. Well, we are going back to the Scotsman. Oh! Yeah. I'm so smart and clever. Yeah. And psychic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Back to Duncan Lunan, the sci-fi author. So remember how I said that the new, due to the new data that Duncan Lunan discovered, mm-hmm. it invalidated most of the star maps and how the Epsilon Buddhist system was deemed to be unable to support the evolution of life, right? Yeah. Okay. So those are two different problems. The star system not being able to support life and the star maps not, not matching up. Right. right. When L- L- Lunan retracted his paper he retracted everything he wrote just to be safe oh he was like if this much data is wrong if i was wrong about that then i'm i i shouldn't trust my ethically i can't publish any of it right here's the thing the uncovered data from the 1920s invalidated most of the star maps but it didn't invalidate the epsilon buddhist star map okay but because the epsilon buddhist star star maps were invalid because the stars were the wrong size moon and shit canned the, the epsilon buddhist map too but yeah, so just understand that that the Epsilon Buddhist star map, the one that they were jazzed about in the first place, yep, does match up even with the new data. Oh. Yeah. So we're doing a little flippity flip. Doing a little flippity flip. Okay, so we're back it's back on, baby. It's just kind wait. Of? This is gonna get weird. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so check this out. In astronomy, there are these things called Lagrange points. I guess concepts you could call them. All right. Lagrange. Maybe it'd be orbital physics or whatever the fuck. Yep. Yeah, Lagrange is named for, I forget his first name, he was a French-Italian astronomer. Okay, so basically when you have a small body in orbit 
and affected gravitationally by two larger bodies. So say you've got the moon, the earth, and the sun, right? Yeah, I was just, I was thinking about like Danny DeVito in between like two very tall women. Hell yeah. <laughs> tall body. He's probably got more gravity than the two of them combined though. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's a massive little bowling ball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not like, not like big, but like dense. So he's the moon. Yes. <laughs> in this scenario. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the slightly taller one is the earth. And the, the giantess is the sun. <laughs> Sweet. She's hot. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's burning hot. Okay. But in so people can actually understand it, you've got the moon, the earth, and the sun. They all have gravitational fields, right? Mm -hmm. They're all spinning around one another. Well, you know, the earth and the moon are spinning around the sun. When you've got this thing, it's known as the three body problem. There are these points, five points. If you visualize just like a 2D, the sun, the earth and the moon as like a series of circles orbiting each other, like on a yeah. 2D plane, right? There are five points around wherever they're positioned. However, they are like, so relative points. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you'd points think of as the like circle. points on the circle of the, of the orbit, no yeah. matter where they actually <laughs> are in relation. It's always in relation to these things. Yeah. Three, uh, five points where the gravitational forces equal the centri centripetal forces required for a small body to move with them. So what that means is if you put a satellite into one of these five points, uh -huh. it will stay there forever, oh. functionally forever. Yeah. Range points. yeah. There's five of them, but there's only two that would ever be feasible. Uh, Lagrange points four and five. And these are, imagine a peace sign. Yeah. Okay. You've got the line going through the middle and then you've got the two angled lines. The. Like, the, you know, the. The two angly. Yeah. Like a V. Yeah. The, the V in the peace sign. Right. That's a basically a model of like points four and five Lagrange points four and five. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could think of it like uh, on a clock. It'd be like uh, 10 and two would be. Lagrange points four and five. Mm -hmm. And these would be so like, if you wanted a satellite that would just stay at the same place, never fall out, never just, just fucking be there. That's where you'd put them. Yeah. Right. Pop them in one of those points. Yeah. They're just points. So like they don't have any gravitational pull of their own. Great place to park a space probe. And also if something reflects from one of those Lagrange points, like it means it's probably something there because there's nothing there. Right. right. It's just a point in the gravitational field. Like they, There's like, you know, the electrons floating around stack, but it's not reflecting anything. It's just like anything that was bounced through there would just be deflected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, it turns out the radio echoes, the long delayed echoes from the 20s, according to Duncan Lunan, this is all according to this dude. This is not, I'm not endorsing this. This is all, at least some of the LDEs came from Lagrange 0.5. Oh, the I have anything there. Yeah. Echo, echo, three second. Three, and which would be to write about the point at which you get a three second pause. Yeah. Right? Okay. Lagrange. It gets better. Yeah. Epsilon Buddhist features prominently in many star maps because it's at a point perpendicular to the zodiac. It's the constellation. Epsilon Buddhist is a star system in the constellation Buddhist. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Buddhist is funny. Yeah. But it's the herdsman. But it's it's perpendicular Butters. to 
the Zodiac, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning that as the Zodiac spins, it stays the same place. Not the same place, but... Roughly um, the same place. Yeah. The same place in like a human life. I'm not going to go any further because I'll probably just get it wrong. (laughs) So it doesn't really move. Uh, It's a great, great place to orient shit with. And I'm just going to go and then I'll, I'm just going to say everything and then cut the shit that's wrong. That's what you do. I just feel like I I worded something weirdly in there that might be something like, didn't you say? I'm not going to worry about it. Don't. Yeah. Um, So it's a, it's a great point for orienting shit. All right. So one of our closest star systems with a star like our sun is Tau Ceti. And from Tau Ceti, Earth would be in the Buddhist constellation. Okay. Yeah. So Tau Ceti is the closest, one of our closest star systems. That has a sun like ours. That has a sun like ours. Right. And from there, Earth would be in the Epsilon, in the Buddhist constellation. And Epsilon Buddhist would be the best waypoint, so to speak, to get to Earth from Tau Ceti. Uh-huh. Okay. You follow? Yes. Okay. It's a lot, though. I know. But I'm following. So we've got... Oh shit! This is these signals look like they came from the best place to park a satellite. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, the star maps really are do right. line up. We've got the star that is a great place to orient shit with on Earth, like traveling around Earth. But it's also a great place to orient if you are traveling from Tau Ceti to Earth. This is the star you would use to navigate. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of strange that. It does map up to be a star map from there. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be a great navitational thing. Okay, it gets better. We're going to talk about Stonehenge now. Yay! <laughs> All about right. time. Yes. So, as the dates of Stonehenge got revised, they ended up with 2780 BC for when Stonehenge was built, right? As the... Um, you know, this is according to Lunin in this piece from 1998, revised in 2013. I don't know if it's changed. Whatever. We've already established we're, we're with the Scotsman now. Um, there's this odd marking on one of the stones that looks like a horseshoe. Uh, and it has been suggested that it was a remnant of a fuck-up from 1966 when they put the stones back up after they had fallen down. And, like, kind of looks like it matches, like, some of the machine treads and shit. Mm-hmm. Which Lunin acknowledges very much so. Um but even so, it's a heck of a coincidence that this horseshoe shape lines up not with Epsilon Buddhist, but with the center of the galaxy. Right? Mm. Here's the thing. You can't see the center of the galaxy with anything but a radio telescope. You, you can't see it with a regular optical telescope. It's, visually, it's impossible to see because it's 27,000 light years away. And it's hidden behind radioactive dust. <laughs> right? Yeah. So they would not have been able to visually see that. And they wouldn't have known. How, there wouldn't have been any fucking way. Right? Yeah. Um, now, just as we use like stars and shit to navigate or we did back you know, in the boat days. Mm-hmm. Right? If you were traveling from star system to star system, you were doing galactic travel, there'd only be one way to navigate the galaxy. But instead of the relationships to the poles and the equator of the Earth, you'd have to use the relationship between the galactic center and the galactic pole, which is the imaginary line that runs perpendicular to 
the galact the plane of the Milky Way, right? Mm -hmm. And then I guess you would have to use like spinward or the other way. You know how there's like the arms. Yeah. Say like, so you could say like X, you know, Y and and Z, because like if you don't have those relationships, you're not going to know where the fuck you are in space, or how else could you ever communicate? Yeah. The position where, of another star. Where you are. Right. Like those are the that's the only two things you could possibly use. Right. Lunin writes. What would annoy archaeologists who don't even admit most conventional archaeoastronomy is the suggestion that the Stonehenge orientation is galactic at all. I looked for an optical marker, something which would have let the builders create Stonehenge without knowing about galactic coordinates or even without a spacecraft necessarily being there. I found one, but it didn't exactly make the alignments less controversial. The star which had the same declination as the North Galactic Pole in 2840 BC equals the latitude of Stonehenge was Epsilon Buddhist itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this dude says that, like, okay, so maybe this thing wasn't aligned with the galactic center. Like, is there any other thing that could explain, like, a reason to align it this way, right? He sees that there's this spot in the center that looks like there should have been something there. Like, there yeah. was at one time something there. And that lines up um, with Epsilon Buddhist passing passing over it, like, once a day at a specific time, right? Yeah, that lines up with Epsilon Buddhist. Okay. So again, we have this an, another weird thing with this star, right? Okay. So A lot of weird stuff with this star. Yeah. So according to Lunin, there are stones and post holes at Stonehenge that draw a line in one direction to the Arctic Circle and in the other direction, the Great Pyramid of Giza. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So you know how there's the idea that the Sphinx in Egypt is way older than we think and... I think Alex was talking about this, like that there looks to be like water erosion on the Sphinx. And the last time like that area wasn't a desert was like 10,500 BC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's the idea that the Sphinx is actually from an older culture, 10,500. Mm -hmm. And there's the suggestion that the Sphinx and its temples built side by side were built so that the Sphinx could face its counterpart in the sky. And in 10,500 BC, it did. The vernal equinox uh, was in the constellation Leo, 10,500 BC, right? Which is right where, right at the point where the Sphinx, the e evenness between the day and the night. Yeah. It's in the constellation Leo and the Sphinx is looking right at where it was. That's perfect. It is, right? Meow. Meow. <laughs> so there's also the three pyramids in Giza, which construction started on around 2,700 BC similar to Stonehenge, according to Lunin. And kooks have suggested that they're lined up with the stars in Orion's belt, right? They sort of do, but it's actually that the relationship of the three pyramids to the Nile River matches the relationship of the Orion belt stars to the galactic plane, not when the pyramids were built, but in 10,500 BC. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so... And you can think like the galaxy as a river of stars and the three points of Orion's belt in this, in this, the same relationship to him as the river of the life-giving river of the Nile and yeah. these three pyramids, the same relationship pointing at the same angle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not all. At Giza, and, and there's this idea that like before the three great pyramids were built, there were smaller things built like a couple thousand years before that. So Duncan Lunan writes, at Giza in 10,500 BC, due to the effect of precession, the same galactic relationship existed as at Stonehenge circa 2840. Once a day, 
the sky took up the same configuration with the galactic pole in the zenith and the plane of the Milky Way coinciding with the horizon. We saw it for ourselves, like a galactic compass rose at each location, but separated by eight millennia in time. Lunin and his colleagues were doing uh, shit like they had a they're at a lab that could like model what the star positions were at different times. Yeah. And so that's how they were like checking their work and shit. And like, they weren't just like, you know, right. Doing it with pencil and paper. Like they had a lab where they could like model it mm-hmm. at a, some observatory. Um, so what he's saying there is, uh, I shouldn't have, I should have explained this too. So at Stonehenge, like at that time, the galactic plane would be in line with that horseshoe once a day. That's why it seems like a temple to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or and like a clock or like a compass or a calendar. A compass, probably. Yeah. So the idea with the line pointing to the pyramid, what Lunin says is that like a spaceship landed. I should probably just get that part of A spaceship <laughs> landed at Stonehenge and then from the Epsilon Buddhist constellation. And then when it left, it they made a monument to the direction it went down to the pyramids of Giza. Mm-hmm. Down to that area, right? Not the pyramids weren't there yet. I feel like I'm playing Earthbound. I feel like I'm. You go back and forth mind. between like Stonehenge and pyramids. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> and you land your little spaceship at Stonehenge. I mean, that's. So. I mean, this is all from like the. Uh, you know, this is the same shit that's in like the book, the Orion Mystery, yeah, and shit like yeah, that. Yeah. Like this is part of fun stuff. I just realized it's actually pretty well known lore that I'm just getting exposed to. It, so I probably just fucked up that explanation of this completely. I'm sorry. I'll do better. Actually, I don't care because aliens aren't fucking real. Yeah. Shit. Doing your best. Yeah. Earthbound is all about like an alien too. So it's. Oh, yeah. So it's just about this. Yeah. 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 Why is my ass keep sitting on it? Yeah. So and another thing that's weird here is that you're seeing Giza in 10,500 BC Mm -hmm. and Stonehenge in 2840. 8,000 years difference, right? A long time. Long fucking time. Wow, people have been around for a long time. And, okay, but check this out. At the site of Stonehenge in 10,500 BC, Epsilon Buddhist crossed over the same exact point as it did some 8,000 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so matching up with... The Giza shit has nothing to do with Epsilon Buddhist. Right. There's just this weird galactic center thing. Yeah, it's just a point in the sky that lines up with shit. So... Epsilon Buddhist lines up with Stonehenge, but then Stonehenge and the and the Sphinx and the pyramids and Orion and shit all lines up with the galactic center, right? Except for some reason, some like Giza has nothing to do with Epsilon Buddhist, but for some some reason, the same conditions that led the researchers to go from Stonehenge to Giza in the first place was occurring at the same time, way earlier than Stonehenge was built, mm-hmm. right? Does that make sense? That makes sense. Is that clear? Yes. Okay. Always tell me if I'm not clear in this type of shit. I will. Yeah, because it's daunting. It is. So two sites with remarkable astrological alignments matched eight millennia apart. Alignments that correspond to things you can't see with optical telescopes, yet are necessary for interstellar navigation. Lunin comes to the conclusion that they visited twice, 10,500 and around between 2700 and 2840 BC. Uh-huh. That's his conclusion. I've already made my opinions on extraterrestrials known. I think it's silly. And if Mars can prank Tesla, that dirty pigeon fucker, 
the stars can prank Egyptians. Yeah. It's kind of where I land on this. But I will admit, those relationships are weird. They are. Well, what if it's ties into the idea that some locations are just sort of like portals? Like some areas have more... Like the math could just work out. Yeah. And you might find, like, I don't... It's just this, like very serendipitous that things would be built exactly there where it's, you know, yeah. line up. Or could it could Stonehenge be located uh, 500 feet away and it would still line up, you know? Um, How I, serendipitous is it? I think it's pretty serendipitous. I get this. So this paper uh, comes from Duncan Lunan's website and like. So writes, it feels pretty. He uh, writes more like a scientist than he does a writer with this. Like uh-huh. it's. Even this one is above my pay grade. And especially because I couldn't look at the figures because they yeah. were in load, like that would help. But it's a lot of astrological, or not astrological terms, it's a lot of astronomy terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and shit that like I had to look up the dev, like what does this mean? What is all this? It's uh, it's dense. It's written for astronomers, not, yeah. not for my dumbass, right? And this dude, like, you know, he thinks he doesn't really believe in ghosts. He thinks hauntings could be like a recording of some kind, like if they exist, like he doesn't believe in UFOs now. So he's like, he's got this really like, I saw the day I aliens from another star system visited us in the past. Haven't been back since. Like who knows if they will be right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it's <sighs> fun to come up with theories that you can't prove or disprove. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to say some ridiculous shit and I'm just going to roll with it. I mean, he does, have, me wrong. he does have numbers and they did check. Yeah. This is a dude that went. It doesn't data, prove anything about aliens coming here though. It doesn't. It's a, it's a heck of a leap. Although, yeah. like, but it is like the only reason these locations would be important is because it's for navigation. I mean, not in the case of the galactic center, but like, the, like the Milky Way arm would be, important but you can't see the galactic center yeah right but maybe you can feel it maybe you can i don't know uh maybe maybe there's a mathematical relationship built into how planets form and how star systems form and how galaxies form and just through another roundabout path you get to the same mathematical relationship as you would see if this improbable scenario of aliens yeah um and I mean, there's uh, there's also other weird shit with like, well, again, so the 13,000 year thing where Arcturus was like this, the map matched up except for the point where Arcturus was in the place where it was 13,000 years ago. Yeah. 10,500 BC is 13,000 years ago, right? Yeah. What the fuck is that? That one, That's weird. So now you've got like this chain of like the Giza shit definitely doesn't have anything to do with the LDEs. Mm-hmm. But through a series of mathematical relationships, you got this whole weird pack. And like, I've been there too. And guess what? It led me to the St. Germain Foundation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like when you yeah. have that whole fucking, but sometimes it leads you crazy. But this dude seems to be, he checks his work. I don't know. I don't believe in aliens. It, it's, it's not even just that I don't believe in, I definitely believe there's extraterrestrial life. Mm-hmm. But like spaceship aliens and shit, like... Yeah, that came and landed it's, here. And, right. It's not that I. Know. It's not that I don't believe. It's that it's the hardest hypothesis for me to believe. Right. That explanation yeah. th- doesn't do it for me. No. What? But it's fun. But what the fuck is that? What is it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And I, I certainly don't know. The Lagrange points. 
the fucking ha. Huh. But like Tesla was just here in Jupiter and Saturn. He was just here in Jupiter and Io. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Jorgen's signals were. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. It's a it's, lot of question marks. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay. However, Black Knight satellite. We know that that's, uh, yeah. that picture isn't a thing. It's not attached to them, but there's a lot that we don't know. I sort of just hijacked the Black Knight satellite legend. Just to talk about all this. Because I, I found the rest of that. I was like, that's kind of, that's weird. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'll just include that. Well, let's see, you know, you can go down to some, <clears throat> you can go down some really fun rabbit holes when you look into a hoax and then just like start clicking on stuff. For sure. And, like walk yourself backwards. Yeah, but like to get back to the Black Knight satellite, like it's almost even weirder that that myth emerged. Yeah, you know, because like I mean, I feel like this dude's work is way crazier. Are people just like that stupid? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Or go on. It's Richard Doty trying to obscure the fucking truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Create the dumb one. Get people to focus on the dumb one. Oh, Jesus Christ, now I'm back in MJ-12 territory now. That's dead yeah. shit. So what I was thinking about with the Black Knight satellite picture yeah, is, and this is something that happens a lot, is a picture yep. is taken. Yes. And through no effort of the original creator, that picture takes on a life of its own and sure stories does. are attached to it and that picture survives and it is just so far removed from the original photographer's intent yeah. for it. It's a meme. Yeah, yeah. Like I was thinking like the like Slender Man. Yeah. You know, that was just like a guy's artwork and then it gets attached to the name Slender Man and then that takes on a life of its own. But also like real life pictures too have um like not pieces of artwork but other pictures yes like uh that still shot from the wizard of oz where people think that like they see uh someone hanging oh yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. like that's a picture that's brought on a, a whole bunch of legends yeah I'm just... and but they highlight something that's real which is that hollywood is not nice to its workers wait is that a real picture is it? Was, I someone, don't know. was someone hanging? I think it, it's just a still where something looks weird. Okay. And like but, you can't really tell what it is. But because but, Hollywood is yeah. dog shit to its employee. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I see it. Yeah. 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 Like because the industry is so shitty mm. and because like accidents happen on set all the time. Like Margaret Hamilton got burned, like yeah, the witch, yeah. you know, on set. Like there are on set injuries. Like Judy Garland. Oh my oh, God. Yeah, dude. The hurt, the tr her treatment. Like, holy shit. The diets that they put her on, the way that they treated her, it's fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. So from that, we can easily like the the myth of someone hanging themselves on the set of the Wizard of Oz. Is right like, there, there's truth okay, in the fucking in the myth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about that a lot when I think of like what what does this picture mean? You know? Yeah. Like yeah, it fits into that category of just pictures that take on a life of their own. Yeah, I mean, like the truth of the picture of the Black Knight satellite is that like shit's weird in space. Yeah. Like. The universe is weird as shit. We really do not know what's going on. You're not expecting to ever see a blanket in space. So if yes. you see a picture of one, right, you're right. not going to think that it's a fucking blanket. Right. You would never think that. Yeah. And and someone saying, no, I dropped a blanket. You'd think they were talking down to you. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just think I'm some stupid redneck. Like I think I'll just believe it's a blanket. Meanwhile, the astronauts thinking he's a fucking moron because he's remembering the time that he dropped the blanket in space like a fucking asshole and created the UFO myth. Yeah. He's going like, I can't believe I dropped. Uh, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I dropped that blanket. Unintended consequences. Which is like, it's so wild to me. Like Gordon Cooper. Just having people like, so when when you heard those voices up there in space, like, when I did what? I didn't. I, I didn't. But you said, like, no, I, I did. That's not. So easy for that. a myth to be created. Yeah. Nikola Tesla. Just that coincidence. And you just need a little bit of truth, too. Yeah. And the world will provide it because it's weird enough. So it just takes like a little bit of strangeness and a little bit of truth for people to extrapolate and then create their own fantasies. Right. And create something that's sort of simple mm-hmm. you know which i guess that's mythology you know it's the it's the cliff's notes version of, or not even the cliff notes it's the children's adaptation of something truly yeah. strange and important maybe mm-hmm. which i would say that like the mysteries of space are pretty important very you know? yeah i think that's what that's what i started thinking about in relationship to the tarot pool yeah 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 let's talk about that yeah um, I know you were writing down something first. Well, that's what I was writing down is the oh, okay. I- idea about like these pictures and the the relationship between the creator and between the world and how yeah. once you like create something, it's out of your hands, mm-hmm. you know, but that fiery spark of energy is like right. now yeah. you're you you're just left to reflect on what happens. Yeah. At, from that point on. And and so the, the two of wands, because you basically nailed out what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. down so i'll just explain like the technical the tarot part about it's like the uh the two of wands using the thoth deck is uh aries in or in mars and aries which is nice little coincidence there we have the planet mars pranking tesla it, this whole thing started with mars yeah right Fucking, it just it goes behind the mountains and he stops hearing the signals mm-hmm. that's how super genius brains fuck up it's exactly that type of shit he just latches onto it and goes oh i understand uh-huh. <laughs> uh yeah so the twos are you know the the aces are the undirected energies of the suits Mm -hmm. fire water wands are fire action the first of the four worlds world of atsaluth the primordial indefinable energy before it manifests down through air and through water and air and earth until finally in being and the two is the sphere of hokma mouth too dry Hukma. There you go. I can do it when I'm not saying it in front of anybody. I can actually, yeah. I'm starting to get the sound. <laughs> but if I have to, I crack under pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll just use the stupid American accent because that, that is what, chokma. Yeah. You know, the sphere of chokma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the first sphere that the divine light of Kether pours into. Right. It's the yang of the yin yang. It's the essential masculine energy of the universe the light versus bina's receptacle the grail the yeah yeah understanding yeah the the holy grail of babylon knowledge yeah chokma is knowledge bina is understanding and then kether is the top is the crown the source yep so kether is like that point of creation but now there's nothing to you know to channel that creation through oh but now we have knowledge which is chokma yeah and the knowledge that chokma is that like is the light pouring in it is the light that pours in Mm -hmm. into bina and those three 
well, if you, you get real deep into it, then you take those three and then you reflect those. And well, we actually, can't. it's even. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. But it is. It's that first point in the whole four worlds in the, mm-hmm. the suited part of the tarot where there is creation. There is light, and then it goes through that whole path all the way down. As we saw Mars fucking with Tesla, and then this whole path all the way down. Would it be correct to say that Chokma is kind of like sperm? It's exactly like sperm. Yeah, Yeah. okay. That's exactly what I was thinking is like, and then, you know, you travel through the womb, which is understanding the divine feminine energy, and through that, like the child, the baby is born, and then you travel through the realms all the way towards death and nothingness, you know? Well, back, and then back over, and, and over, then back and over, over, over and over and over and over. Yeah, no, it, it, and like you know, in the ter- the two of uh, the two of wands it is spermy. It's Mars in Aries, in in it is. It's like, very, it's yeah, very like very fiery, primally, very masculine, primally masculine. Yeah, yeah, it's like the mo- most masculine numbered minor arcana card in the deck, probably. Like, yeah, <laughs> smells like a fucking gym bag. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think like it actually turned out. I think that's actually a pretty appropriate mm-hmm. card for this. I think so too. It's just a fucking cum rag. <laughs> <laughs> Put that shit in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then you got a wet blanket again. Yeah. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Excellent. I think that about does it. I think so too. Give us a rating, please. <laughs> <laughs> no restraint None. no restraint this time yeah hell yeah all right we'd very much appreciate it we really Rate, would review, subscribe yeah. tell your friends we love tell you guys your, tell your mad scientists like help yeah. them out they won't let them go too far mm-hmm. follow um, us on the stuff follow us on the stuff you know what to do yep all right see you guys next week peace